0: You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everyone.
1: Good
0: morning. So, she'll probably... Uh, laugh to hear this, but, um, but I think that in a real way I, um, I, I became a rabbi, at least in part because of my aunt Judy. My aunt Judy is um, uh, um, very much um, uh, what you know the demographers would probably call a, a, a nun, uh, meaning someone who, who doesn't claim a particular religious affiliation. Um, even though she grew up uh, um, in a, a fairly uh, traditional uh, Jewish household, actually, maybe I, I should say rather because I think she grew up in a fairly um, uh, traditional religious household, um, and, uh, and and you know went to a uh, uh, grew up in a in a synagogue that uh, um, uh, did not um, provide a tremendous amount of uh, of of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of deep religious meaning. Uh, for her, or, or um, uh, a spiritual energy uh, for her, um, and, uh, you know, I talk with her about her Hebrew school experience, etc., um, where, um, uh, where she was, where she reflects that uh, that the experience was, was, you know, substantially more on, um, uh, you know, how you do Jewish stuff, right, how you read Hebrew, how you pray, how you... Re- Torah, etc. Um, uh, how you wave the lulav, um, and uh, and and not at all on um, on, on any of the uh, of the why or deeper significance, uh, spiritual significance of uh, of Jewish practice. Um, and and so um, you know, in, in in a lot of ways, there's this really. It's not in this essay that we're going to look at, but but I, you know, I think Heschel at his best um, really identified um, this. Uh, this this issue that uh, that that really permeated uh, the Jewish community, uh, the established Jewish community um, uh, during his time. I mean, he, had, he 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 diagnosed it in 1955 in, uh, in God in Search of Man, uh, where he said that uh, um, you know, science, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase, because I don't remember the exact phraseology, but you know, science is usually blamed for the demise of religion, but religion should be blamed for its own demise. Um, religion um, is, uh, is uh, uh, diminishing because um, it has become uh, insipid, dull, and irrelevant. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't address the problems that people have. Um, it doesn't uh, help people live better lives. It doesn't strive to uh, to to make people better people and to help people make the world a better place. Um, and it uh, is devoid of uh, of any real depth or significance for for um, those people. And so I think that uh, uh, if if my um, Aunt Judy were to be able to write like Heschel, she's an artist, so she could paint probably better than Heschel can. Uh, but if she um, could write like Heschel, I think that she would have probably um, uh, talked about. Uh, um, um, post-war American Judaism in the same way and her disaffection with uh, with, with, uh, with with Judaism um, I, I think really reflects that uh, diagnosis I think Heschel was not only a um, uh, uh, Gave, I think that he not only gave a, a, a good diagnosis of the condition, but he was in some ways prophetic. Um, because I think that what he diagnosed about uh, a Jewish religion could still be uh, uh, said to be true in many circles today, um, uh, unfortunately. Um, and you know, if you were to take that quotation from uh, the beginning of God in Search of Man without attribution... Um, uh, someone around this table did something similar to this at uh, at, at a certain point, but take it without attribution um, or date and put it on uh, on you know on, on Facebook and say you know who said it and when, right? My guess is you'll get a lot of people, who, except for obviously the people who know that that uh People will say you know it was some person said it five years ago, right? Uh, right. So it's uh, you know unfortunately um, still. Reflects in some ways the, the the current landscape, and so I. Um, uh, uh... In, in in some ways was driven to the the rabbinate because uh, because I felt in my life um, uh, that uh, that there was tremendous power and significance um, uh, a depth of, of meaning and a uh, a power of spirit um, in the Jewish tradition and, um, and and so I wanted to breathe that life into uh, in, into uh, into other people's Judaism. Um, And I think that uh, that that idea is reflected in this essay from Heschel. He starts off talking about it in the realm of prayer, um, and he goes kind of in and out of talking about it with regard to prayer. But I think it could be said for, you know, name your Jewish practice. Name your Jewish class, right? Um, uh, And you could probably uh, apply the same principles there. In terms of, uh, you know, the... um, mechanics of an essay. I'm not sure if it's his best, but there are a few moments that I think uh, are really Heschel at his best. Right. So just want to uh, point out a few and then, and then open it up for your reflections on what he's saying, um, your, uh, your, your comments, your criticisms, um, and uh, your, your questions about it and your interpretations of it. So um, the beginning is, is fantastic. We are descendants of those who taught the world what true worship is. Our fathers created the only universal language there is—the language of prayer. Now, I don't know if that's a truly an accurate historical statement, but in, in in terms of the way the Western world um, uh, approaches prayer, um, you could probably uh, make an argument that uh, that that it traces back to uh, um, to Jewish roots, Israelite roots. Um, the idea that. Uh, um, that that the way uh, um, the the universal language of prayer, um, you know, outside of the context of sacrifice, um, in some ways I think is a is a, uh, um, a Jewish institution. Um, all men in the Western world speak to God in the language of our prayers, of our psalms, right? Um, uh, I, well, I don't know about all men um, and also women too, right? But uh, um, but a lot of people, right? You go to a, you go to a, a church, right? And a good portion of the service will be recitation of uh, the Book of Psalms, right? You know hymns that are based on the Book of Psalms, etc. So he's got a point there. Um, is it not proper to ask our fathers then? What is the spirit of Jewish prayer? That's the question. Right? You gave us the language. But what are we really supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be feeling? What are we supposed to be thinking about when we pray? But here's the issue. Are we ready to ask the question? I think he means by that, um, if we ask the question... Then we need to be prepared to hear an answer that we uh, that that um, that is a critique of what we're doing. Right? Um, that may be a hard practice. Right. So if we ask the question, you know, what's the point of Jewish prayer? And the point is, um, you know. Uh, um, name the standard reason that, uh, that the average American Jew who goes to synagogue say, says that they go to synagogue, um, I would venture to guess that there's going to be some amount of dissonance between um, what the standard answer is and what, the, um, what, the, you know, what Abraham's original intent for, uh, for waking up in the morning and praying was. Um, are we qualified to understand the answer? The difficulty of our situation. This is uh, great. This is what I wanted to get. The difficulty of our situation lies in the fact that we have inherited physical features of our fathers, but failed to acquire some of their spiritual qualities. I don't think he's only talking about. The, the, I, mean, I, don't, I actually think that uh, we probably don't look like Abraham looked like, but it, we, but we inherited um, the, the 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 body of. Uh, of of practice and customs that our ancestors left us. We we, we got the body, right? But was the spirit transmitted? Was the meaning of that body transmitted? Did it make it to us? (coughs) Biologically, we are Jews. Theologically, we are pagan to a considerable degree. Our hands, this is fantastic, our hands are the hands of Jacob. But our voice is often the voice of Esau. Now, if you remember the Verse. passage from Gen- from Genesis, uh, Isaac says the opposite um, right. thing, right? the 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 hands are the hands of Esau, but the voice is the voice of Jacob, right? And here he say that we that we have the. That we have the hands of Jacob, but deep down we are pagan, right? Deep down we don't have faith. Deep down we um, we don't have Jewish spirits. Deep down we are American. We are secular. We are Western, right? We have a uh, have a scientific disconnect from the world, right? Um, That's who we are deep down. That's who we are. I think that. that, I mean, I I, I don't want to phrase that too much in the we, but I can tell you that that speaks very much to me, right? That um, that uh, I'm not sure um, if uh, if I think about most things, unless I'm consciously trying, if I if I approach most things in the world um, with a Jewish spirit, I'm not sure exactly how to quantify that, but um, I think. That my, you know, um, secular Western um, uh, liberal Americanism um, probably comes to the foreground um, uh, uh, w- with a lot less effort than my um, than my uh, uh, ancient Eastern um, uh, uh, faith and wisdom. Um, it's there, but I have to dig to access it, um, and I think that that's. Part of what he's identifying here is that uh, is that uh, um, we have, uh, in some ways, you know, succeeded as Jews in becoming um, uh, fully integrated into the rhythms of, of, of modern life. So much so that even if we are not externally assimilated, right? Uh, uh, even if we, you know, even if we're the Chabad rabbi, right? Um, um, internally, um, we. We are right internally. We're a product of the culture in which we in which we live, which which generally speaking is not a thick Jewish culture, um, doesn't have the uh, rhythms of, uh, of, of, uh, of 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 uh, deep ecstatic Jewish spirit. Now he sort of sw- switches gears, I think, but the but that's the essential uh, uh, challenge of of the essay is. Um, in our synagogues, in our Jewish life, um, in what we call our religious life, is it actually infused with a um, with a with a real sense of, uh, of of spiritual purpose, or are we just mimicking the forms? Right? Are we um, what, uh, um, what what he calls in another essay? Uh, are we doing religious behavioralism? And we're doing the behaviors, but we don't have the meaning behind those behaviors. And that's where he gets, I think, the title of the essay. Skip the paragraph for a second, but I want to go back to the paragraph that he does. We worry a great deal about the problem of church and state. Now, what about the church and God? Sometimes there seems to be a greater separation between the church and God than between the church and state. Right? That's this idea, you know, going back to. The, the, the passage of God in search of man, that, um, that, that, uh, that you go to a synagogue, you go to uh, uh, an institution of Jewish learning, um, uh, in large part, um, especially at his time when he was writing, but even still today, um, you, you don't hear about God. Especially in his time, rabbis didn't talk about God. Um, if I remember, someone said about Rabbi Wolpe, he virtually never talked about uh, 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 God from the pulpit. Well, there was a, when David sort of first hit the scene. He was uh, in Newsweek or Time magazine, and uh, um, he was quoted as saying, "In my father's household, my father never talked about God." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so uh, Wolpe, <laughs> Jerry Wolpe, put on his Apple computer, whatever it was at that time, uh, you know, the, the early, early. God, 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 a thousand times. A <laughs> uh, not, not at all to uh, uh, to, to, um, uh, to, to uh, cast aspersions on the uh, on 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 the, the brilliance and erudition of, of, of Rabbi Wolpe, but it was very uh, common in, in the culture of the time um, not to uh, uh, not to you know bring I guess um, uh, overt um um spiritualism right into uh in uh, into synagogues. It just wasn't uh, it just wasn't Yeah, uh, you know, done I thought it was. With uh with uh Rabbi uh what that
1: Gold? Goldsing Gold Golding, yeah. He mentioned God? Oh, oh. Yeah. Hmm. Hello, oh yeah. I'm hearing this is a real critique of JTS and the rabbis they're producing. Uh, yeah. In, I mean,
0: in thinking about it, mm-hmm. and, and thinking and a critique of conservative Judaism and the approaches it was taking in the 40s and 50s. Uh, I think that you're probably right about that. Um, now, I don't know that he'd be praising what we see in Haredi Judaism today either, uh, you know, which is just to go through the form for the sake of the mm-hmm. form, even though you're mm-hmm. saying God all over the place. But it certainly seems in the time of the 50s that
1: he's criticizing uh, his own house. It
0: extended. I remember uh, when I was in uh,
1: cantorial school and writing a note to a parent whose kid had just
0: been born. And feeling incredibly self-conscious about saying something like his God-given talents or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That that word was, can I say that? Can I? So I think that was was very much a product of those times still when Mm -hmm. that was... Very, just very not done. <laughs> so was
1: it the influence of the war, in part, a- across the country, across...
0: It, it could have been, right? Um, God was a very difficult uh, idea to confront in after Auschwitz, but... Um, you know so uh, so I, I have to imagine that at least for some people that played a large role right how do you how do you talk about God in the old ways by right? using the old you know um, uh, you know structures of omnipotent and and uh, and, and omniscient and and uh, all good right um, when when uh, one and a half million children were just uh, systematically murdered you know so I, I I think that you're I think that you that you're right about that you know I, listen the the, the um, I am sure that uh, that you know my uh, wise and saintly predecessors had reasons, good reasons, um, for uh, why they approached Judaism and taught Judaism uh, and constructed synagogue life the way they did, right? Um, it, it, and it probably was necessary and worked for what they needed. Um, but it, but, it, but Heschel is you know, certainly it, trying to criticize I, it. Yeah. I, I also thought it was very much the academic approach to Judaism that JTS espoused, right and and was really built upon well right so that that's the that's that's part of the issue right even before the Holocaust there's this uh, idea of positive historical Judaism mm-hmm. right you know that uh, that that Judaism is a historical phenomenon um, uh, initiated by human beings um, moved along by human beings um, evolving along with human beings and real human communities right and the role that God plays in that is um, is very difficult to uh, to identify especially if you're Committed to the to the scientific enterprise right which you can you can show how people uh, developed certain elements of the Jewish tradition over time but you can't really show scientifically how God made that happen or how God influenced that or how God inspired that right so that's so I think you're right I think that there is an element of, uh, of uh, conservative and, and at reform at Judaism as well um, at, at the time that was very uncomfortable. Um, talking about the role of God in these things because you couldn't quantify it scientifically.
1: But isn't that where um, uh, the rabbis had evolved in their studies? And I'm saying going back through the centuries, that's sort of the evolution of the Zohar of Hasidic nature, where there's this rabbinic technical study and then a search for a more emotional spiritual experience.
0: Yeah, so I think that uh, that a lot of that. Was in part inspired by Heschel, right? By by the things that Heschel said, right? And by the right. and in some ways by the '60s counterculture, right? That was uh, that was looking for um, uh, for a depth of meaning beyond what you could prove scientifically, right? Um, uh, you know, so so that's where you get the explosion of uh, of chavurot and virtually no one in the American uh, Jewish uh, world before the. Fifties studied Kabbalah. Um, you know, the, it was studied in some circles in uh, in traditional communities, um, but popularly, um, I remember um, Gershon Sholem, who was uh, uh, probably you know the, the last century's leading scholar of Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah. Um, uh, he uh, he got um, he got an honorary doctorate from the seminary. And um, Saul Lieberman, who was the you know esteemed Talmud professor at the time, was I think it was Lieberman who, who I'm quoting in this, um, and I could be wrong, but uh, he's, he's uh, um, uh, recalled to have said. Um, um, give me a second. I'm going to get the try to get the, the exact formulation. Um, something like. Um, st- studying nonsense is nonsense but the study of studying nonsense is scholarship <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, something like that So, um, and, and that's how uh, many people um, approached Jewish mysticism um, at the time I wonder if you asked Rabbi Wolby what he thought of the Zohar I don't know what he would have said I, d- I didn't know him but uh, what do you think, Cantor? Or, or yeah, yeah, or else yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that that was part of his um,
1: coaching uh, yeah. tool bag.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think that uh, that that um, that in some ways uh, that's um, the the fact that it's become. Um, uh, such a, um, a mainstream part of, uh, of, of non-Orthodox Jewish life today um, is in part due to Heschel, and 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 I think you may be right about you know who he's speaking to here. Heschel it can be different uh, depending on the audience he was speaking to, right? So when he was speaking to um, you know liberal Jews, um, he was trying to um, convince them to be more Hasidic, right? And when he was speaking to uh, to to more traditional communities, um, he was trying to convince them to be more liberal, right? To uh, to to adopt the 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 the, the forms and the ideas of, of, of Western philosophy and to be more open and, and that sort of things. And there's a debate about what Heschel's primary goal was. I mean, was he trying to explain Hasidut to um, to like the American <coughs> Jewish masses, or was he trying to explain um, uh, Western philosophy to his um, to to the communities that he grew up in um, hard to hard to know but here for sure it seems like he's doing the former right he's trying to say you know you, you have you have a hollow shell of a Jewish life. What what, what uh, Hasidism taught was that you need to breathe life back into it. You need to breathe the spirit back into it. I mean, even in the Orthodox world, some segments of the Orthodox world, the non-Hasidic Orthodox world, um, uh, the and even in some segments of the, of the Hasidic Orthodox world, for various socio-historical reasons, um, the... Uh, um, there is also this sense that you know that the, the point of prayer is to fulfill your obligation, right? You need a minimal amount of uh, intentionality in fulfilling that obligation. You just need to be there on time. You need to say these words. You need to say them um, at this pace with the with the right intonation and speed um, uh, and and volume, um, and uh, um, and and then you fulfilled your obligation. You don't need any. That's all the spiritual life you need is fulfilling your obligations. Um, and, uh, and he would probably say the same thing to them, too. He'd say, no, that's not all you need. Right? What you need is um, a, a, a deeper sense of, uh, of, of connection with God underlying all of those forms. Charlotte, do you have your hand?
1: Well, I was just <coughs> thinking that pre-war in Eastern Europe, the, um, the shtetls, where Jewish life was so strong and so important and so personal to everybody... Then with the Enlightenment, that was looked down upon, and it became a real schism between one and the other. Those that really believed and through their faith brought it into their lives, and the educated um, men, mostly, who uh, experienced the Enlightenment and the after-effects. And uh, they didn't want to have that. That was a no-no. So they really went in two different directions. And now it seems like this is his effort at trying to get back that personal feeling. Right. But how can you do that when it's it's not only far in the past, it's generations.
0: Right. And right, and, and the Enlightenment mm-hmm. gave some really good things and taught <clears throat> some really important right. So so in some ways you you can't go back. But on the other hand, right, he lives after Auschwitz, after Hiroshima, right, um, um, after, you know, long after, but the Enlightenment produced some incredible, um, uh, structures and institutions in the Western world uh, by virtue of the, the scientific and scholarly enterprises that it espoused. On the other hand, it unleashed some horrors in the world, right, the, you know, starting with the, the, the terror in France, right, going, um, uh, you know, up until, uh, Auschwitz and Hiroshima. So, um, so I think that, that, that that's what he's saying. He's saying you know you can't go back, right? There's there's, there's you can't blame science for the demise of religion. There's, there's, science has value and is positive, um, but uh, but but what people did was they let religion recede in the face of science, and the price that they paid for that was um, was um, a religion that was no longer meaningful. And a science that no longer was um, informed by values and morality, right? And um, you know, and that's so, so. that's why I want to get to. This, why I skip this paragraph and wanted to put it uh, at the end of our conversation, because um, because that this is what he I think is trying to get back to. There are bitter problems which religion has to solve. Right? In a previous generation, people said, No, no, no. Science will solve these. Democracy will solve these right um uh, self government will solve these right those are the um the, the heritage of the enlightenment right Th- that will solve all human issues he says no religion has to solve these problems agony sin despair there is darkness in the world there is horror in the soul what has the community of israel to say to the world that i think is um is is the essence here right a sense that um Judaism, religion has more to offer than um, than uh, than a set pattern of behavior, times for prayer, rituals um, to participate in. Those are important, right? But there's also that's the body, and there's also a spirit that animates and energizes that that body, that directs it, that helps heal the soul and and repair the world, right? And and that, he says, needs to be restored to, uh, to individual faith and to religious communities. Right? Um, that's, I think, the, the sense that uh, God has been separated from church or synagogue. Um, and, uh, and an argument, I think, for uh, bringing God back in. Uh, and uh, um, a, a sense that if we are able to accomplish that, um, a religion can once again be a powerful force for good in people's lives and in the world, uh, and it will also um, bring uh, people back closer to, uh, uh, to the religious traditions that they may have abandoned for a sense that they weren't doing anything